0: can i just say i'm really grateful to be here today i'm actually very humbled at being asked to speak Um, i don't work from script so (laughs) this is going to be a bit raw Um, but can i say thank you very much for the 50th birthday and balloons out the front i turned 50 last month so i thought this was my last wee birthday party so that's what it is in my head anyway Um, I will just say as a wee dis- disclaimer or whatever way you want to put it, I stand over everything I say and anything that anybody wants to question me on a later date, 100% I, I stand over what I say. Um, okay, forgive me if I walk up and down a wee bit just till I get myself into where I'm going. My name is Shauna Kerr and I was born, and I'm only mentioning her name because she was mentioned earlier, I was born on Maggie Thatcher's birthday um 50 years ago 13th of october for anybody who, who's worried edwina curry apparently was also her birthday and my daddy used to call us the three iron ladies and i said don't don't use that <laughs> prescription daddy but he may have been right on some counts anyway um i am a woman obviously i'm a mother all i wanted to be when i was growing up was get married and have babies so I got married and had babies um, I was never a girly girl, but I was always into babies. So that's now my midwife. Well, I used to be. At the start of this year, I started to write stuff down in, in earnest, you know, and I thought, I'm gonna write a book now that I don't have a job. So it's called The Not-So-Secret Midwife. So I'm about 27,000 words in. I probably have about 300,000 more. So I'll try and keep this short and sweet. Well, not short, probably. In order to bracket myself in, I'm gonna start with, why I'm so thankful for 2020, and I'm going to end with a bit of a solutions narrative because I believe we all should bring some sort of solution to the table. Now, it might meander a wee bit in between there, so stick with me. I'll run through chapters of the book in my head to keep me on track. Anyway, I have four live healthy children all over the age of 18. Um, I don't tell their story. They can tell their own story someday, and I have another two that didn't make it to this life, and I'm very thankful for that as well. Um, in 2004, after having my youngest child, he was a year old. I, I always wanted to be a midwife, but I never wanted to be a nurse. And I heard about this thing called direct entry midwife, where you could just go and be a midwife. And I thought, great, that's for me. So I went to Queen's in Belfast. And three years later, I, I'm just doing the bio bit to give it a bit of context, if that's all right. I came out with a first class honours degree in medical science. It's not important to everybody, but it was important to me because my GCSEs were terrible, so I wanted to get a first and I did, just about. Anyway, I was a midwife. I only ever worked in the one trust, and it's the trust I grew up in, so uh, 50 years of experience with this trust from many, many angles. I was also a union rep for the Royal College of Midwives for 12 years while I was working within the NHS. I was also a member of the MSLC, which is the Maternity Service Liaison Committee, which I actually joined in 1985 after the stillbirth of my first son. And it's like just a committee for um, health staff, multi-disciplinary. Um, um, anyway, when in the middle phase of as a mature student. they're not great with mature students. Mature students ask too many questions, apparently. <laughs> so they said you'll never get a job, you ask too many questions. I said I don't a job if I can't ask questions. I always want to know why. It was my favourite word from as a child. So because of my why, I also went on in 2015 to commence a PhD study in Jordanstown. Which has not yet been completed but i've learned a lot on my journey of a phd and that'll come into the story as well so i'll go to 2020 i'm trying to keep it in chronological order february 15 2020 i was at a conference in Crook park in dublin um and the nature was the all Ireland midfrey conference and the nature of the conference they would have had a keynote speaker and then the breakout groups so my friend who was with me she always looks at all the lists and stuff. I said, where am I going? She says, oh, you love this one? Vaccines in pregnancy. I nice, I'll go to that one. So off I went and uh, her surname was Dr. Lucy Jessup, a big pharma representative was standing at the front of the room. This room, for not as many as here, but a lot of people in it. And she was telling everybody about these five new vaccines they were bringing in for pregnant women. And I was literally sitting at the back of the room, shuddering at what she was saying. Now don't get me wrong, she had it beautifully presented and all her stats and her fancy PowerPoint, all that great stuff. But as a research student, even at that time, I knew she was only presenting one side of the story. So she wasn't technically lying, because they don't lie, they misdirect, right? So I was watching her thinking, no, no, I I hear what you're saying, but where's the rest of the story? So at the end, (laughs) there was this lecturer from Queen's, and she had the, the roving microphone, she says, anybody, any questions? I put my hand up. I'll always put my hand up. So she's come down to me in the microphone and um, I have to do a quick side story as to why I asked this question in a room full of people. In October 2017, when I was in the night duty in my local hospital, a power one says a lady who's had a baby before and I knew her from her previous baby. She came in to me, she was 35 weeks pregnant. And she, she'd been in a few times that pregnancy. I see you back again, you know, just a bit of banter with the women. I says, oh, Shauna, I "I don't feel right. I says, okay, come on, you know, I get my stuff ready. Try and out what's wrong with her? She says, I haven't felt the baby move all day. Red flag straight away. So I'm starting to get my stuff quicker. Anything different? Were you sick? Has somebody been sick? Have you not been eating? You know, going through all the things. She says, no, but I had the vaccine yesterday. Those were her words. And I just, oh, I says, what one? She says, the flu vaccine. This was 2017. Remember, I said, um, "You sound like you didn't want it. Why did you get it? You know, because I knew the reluctance was in her." She said, "Shauna, they rang me three times. It's a habit that I've seen repeated many times since." And uh, she and I both knew before I put the monitor on that the baby was already gone. That child, who I refer to, if anybody sees my social media, is BBP, and that's all I've ever. It's not my story. I can give those details without giving the story. That child's death came back from the coroner with the title, Unexplained Stillbirth. And I thought, you can't say that's unexplained. There's a very, what? So I started doing a bit of digging in 2017 and from then on became very vocal. And then you called the anti-vaxxer and all those gaslighting terms that people come up with. Runs off my back at this stage, couldn't care less. I was a midwife. This was a baby death. Why, why, why does you not want to know why it happened? I couldn't understand why nobody would listen to me. So as a union rep, I was also at a lot of tables and I was bringing things like these up. Shut up, Sean, That's all I ever heard, one way or another. So anyway, back to 2020 in the room with Dr Lucy Jessup, I put my hand up because during my research into that child's death, I realised that the paperwork that goes to the coroner does not include the one question that needs to be asked. Was this mother vaccinated? It asks, was she black, white, fat, thin, sick, sore, Catholic, private, whatever. It asks so many questions and it doesn't ask the one key question. Was this mother vaccinated? Now as a research student, if you don't ask the question, you won't get the answer. So I thought, why he's not not asking this question? And I got really, really annoyed then. So we're talking 2020. So I was going, I put my hand up and said to this woman, I hear what you're saying about these vaccines, but tell me this. Why does the coroner in this country not ask, was this mother vaccinated? So the room went silent, as it does. I thought your woman was going to hit me with the microphone, <laughs> but she didn't. She sat down beside me and she said, I want the answer, too. I thought, brilliant, here we go. So Dr Lucy Jessup, who has worked in the north of Ireland, England, and is now based in the south. And that is a popular pattern, by the way, among key people, but that's, that's for the book. Um, she, she answered me correctly and she said, I'm paraphrasing. That's not a question for me. That's a question for the coroner. I thought, well, you're right. You got me there. And it is a question for the coroner. So I thought, I ain't going to ask the coroner. So I went back up home, right? Oh, I ain't going to ask the coroner. I ain't going to do this. I ain't going to do this. Then along came COVID for God's sake. Anyway, so 17th of March, St. Patrick's day, St. Patrick's night. I was in night day, as I've done for years. And everybody on the ward was talking about COVID. And, oh, I was like, no, stop. Because it triggered me on some level. I thought, why are you all getting annoyed about this? Then the word came through, oh, all the cesarean sections are coming up. They're were, they were turning maternity service on its head. I said, why, why are you doing this? Have I missed something? Because the last thing I'd heard was some bat in China. I hadn't dra- drawn the dots. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> we all heard about it that Christmas. They were just planting the seed. That's where it came from, the bat. So I, everybody was getting annoyed and working. There were, oh, COVID, masks, all this stuff was starting. The masks weren't a big issue then. It was gloves at that time and toilet roll. So <laughs> anyway, so I, my friend on night Judy, the same one that was at the conference when me, she knew I was getting frustrated. I says, give me numbers, somebody give me numbers. I work better with numbers and logic. So she introduced me to worldometers which was the online um, live data, blah, blah. I thought we would great. So I am sitting working it out, thinking I'm Einstein with my wee whiteboard oh. I thought, these percentages are tiny. What are they talking about? Why are they ruining our maternity services over this? So, cause for me, the threat was this size and the response was this size. Yeah. One word, disproportionate. And then back to my favorite word, why? Why, why, why was it so disproportionate to the threat? Sorry, right, hold on. Right, done a bit more work that night. At half six that morning, I emailed the head of Midwifery and the assistant director and I basically said, what the f- are you doing? But I put it much nicer than that. Excuse my language, sorry. So I said, I wrote out my, my, my figures. I, I gave them the percentages, different companies and everything else. I said, what are you doing? This is disproportionate, you know. And at that time, Imperial College London model was already out. A model that I've never looked into in any detail, but I knew that the modelling was wrong. And it was because it was based on epicentre data. They took Lombardy, Italy as an example, and created a trajectory that was so flawed. It's actually the most flawed model in modern history. I called it out on the 18th of March 2020 to the head of midwifery, the assistant director, and they wouldn't listen. I said that at 6.30am, 6.35am, the head of midwifery rang the ward. I answered the phone, hello, head of midwifery. She says, hello, Shauna. I says, well, you got my email then? I did. I says, and, and I quote, she says, you made me smile. Well, I was so frustrated. Made her smile? Anyway. So that one, so I was everybody in work was still getting all agitated about this COVID and why, Shauna, why do you not care? You always have to be different. You know the usual, we've all had it. So I was going out the next morning in a bit of a... I was just crossed at everything that was happening. And my car was parked outside the morgue, where it always was parked. And as I came over towards it, there was like fencing around my car and a man standing in a his vest. And I thought, what's happened? God, they were quick. Only sent the email to have six, <laughs> <laughs> so i come and walking towards him, and he said to me, is your name Shauna? I says, oh, wow, that was quick. I says, yeah, why? He says, is this your name badge? <laughs> my name badge was lying beside my car, so that's how I knew my name was Shauna, so I <laughs> had to settle myself. Anyway, I said, yeah, oh, right, okay. Take the, should just go home, Shauna, you're tired. So then I looked at what he was doing, I looked back at him and said to him, can I ask you what you're doing? He said, oh, we're just extending the morgue. I said what this was the 18th of march 2020 i said you're extending the morgue what for the bodies and i just looked at him and he looked at me and he looked down and he says listen love i just do what i'm told <laughs> that's something i've heard a lot of times since yeah. that yeah. fear porn fear porn on the 18th of march 2020 they were already extending the morgue anyway so that was fear porn so for a couple of weeks I trundled on and work and everybody fighting my me. And, oh, Shani, you always have to be different. All these people that came to me for years for their union statements and their oh, i away, done everything for everybody. And suddenly I was a like, conspiracy theorist, right? Okay. I've been called worse. <laughs> so, so towards the end of the month things got quite untenable and work to be honest. People who I'd known 30 years were being very rude to me. And I have to say I was going home absolutely worn out. So I contact the head of Middifree, who was it? Friend, you know, she mentored me for years. I said, look, I can't cope here anymore. You know, I'm doing my best to do what I do. And I'm getting a lot of resistance. You know, she says, do you want to move? I say, yes, I do. So I moved to the, the other hospital in our trust, thinking we'll start again. I'd already worked there too. First night down there, we're supposed to go to the lovely Middifree led Unit where we have lovely babies and everything's lovely and happy. No, Shawnee, you're not allowed. I have to go to delivery suite tonight. That's my version of heaven and hell. Middifree led and delivery suite are like opposite ends of the spectrum for a midwife. So the next night I was going down to work, I thought I can't do that again. So I rang the head of middifree on the way, I said to her, um, I don't want to go to delivery suite tonight again. I'll keep middifree led, on my own. Because I'm not afraid of birth, right? Sorry, I skipped a bit, but I'm, I'm going to go back to it. So she said, right Shauna, if, if somebody comes in who's normal i'm trying not to misquote her you can keep mid free lead opened i said right so i went up to the unit and the day staff were going off oh no sean you have to go delivery straight so i said no i'm allowed to stay here if somebody comes in well there's no there's nobody here and within five seconds the phone rang i said there we go so there was a normal woman coming in a nice normal person who was just in labor wanting to have a baby so i was allowed to stay so I, I'm delighted. So this lady in a hazmat suit brought this wee mommy and daddy up to me. Now we're, like we're, talking, we're talking the 1st of April actually at this point. I just thought the fear, the fear, the fear. The People were coming in the door and all they could see was fear. So this wee mommy and daddy terrified I said, Come on in here. Took them into my room. My room, I called it the no drama room. So that any midwife coming near my room, you don't, enter. they already knew you don't have the fear when she was in the room just let her do her own thing. It's because I could sense the parents' fear. You know, they were terrified. So, oh, luckily enough, the middle field ed unit is, I could seal it off. I closed the curtains, closed the curtains, I said, forget about what's going on in the outside world, we're just gonna have to be a bit. And I have to say, they were the loveliest couple, and they did give me their consent to write up their story in my, um, as part of a PhD, because I have to say, it was the last delivery I was at in the NHS, and it was the most beautiful birth, it was amazing. I wanna give you one way example out of just to show faith over fear this is when i started learning about faith over fear and i'm not ashamed this when god came back into my life because it hadn't been part of it for a very long time and suddenly i was being faced with all these challenges was I going to have faith or was i was going to be afraid and this night was one of them so the wee lady was neighbour. we had all night with the mommy and daddy We were able to talk through so many things it was amazing and they were really connected with each other and connected with their baby and the irony is part of my phd research was I'll give you the title, Can I Bespoke Sonic Environment Impact Positively on the Relationship Between Mother, Father, Child. And we were trying to develop a mobile app yeah. called, ironically, On the Same Wavelength to help this connection. But through this journey I realised we don't need a mobile app to improve the relationship between mother, father, child. They need to look within, look in with, within each other. It's the most sacred union is the mother, father, child. And I have to say, I believe the medicalisation of childbirth is one of the biggest crimes against humanity. Oh, <laughs> so the way mammy's faith, halfway through the night, and all she had was a bit of gas yes in her, she didn't want drugs, she didn't want anything, with music on, we were doing TikTok dances, she was amazing. And it was all just about keeping her in the right zone. So about halfway through the night, she was getting a bit tired, considering drugs and all of that. So how do we listen to the baby. And uh, I would do things very differently now, but anyway. We're listening to the baby and she'd been listening all night and she even, she knew it sounded a bit lower than it had earlier. And I seen in her face, fear, straight away she went into fear. The daddy's standing, he went, I just fine. I just do what we talked about earlier. You no, know, breathe, come on, you can do this. She started focusing on her breathing and I, and I kept the monitor on and the baby's heart rate just came up, up, up. And I could see her bursting into this smile and he burst into this smile. It was the most, one of the most powerful moments I've ever seen during the, the labour of, of a woman. It was amazing. So then the kicker at 5.36 a.m. I think if I'm right on the 2nd of April that morning, I'm still there, my one midwife, my hands person, and baby was coming and um, the head, I'll not go into too much detail, but the head was here and it's great so I'm on my knees on the floor and then she gave another push. And if anybody in the room has ever heard the phrase shoulder dystocia, they'll know what I'm talking about. So here I am on the second floor of a hospital, no emergency, no, nothing near me, you know, all miles away downstairs. And this woman on her knees and this baby halfway here. And then she pushed again, the baby didn't move again. I just thought, Oh my God. And I literally thought, Oh my God, cause it was, oh, it was the symbolism. I was on my knees this head literally in my hands. And I thought, really? Are you going to take me this far? And then let something happen here. And I heard the answer myself, it was no. No, I'm not, Shauna. Just be brave. I thought, right, come on, we're going to do this. The other midwife in the room panicked a bit. That's fair enough. She ran out and she rang the emergency number, which in the hospital I work in, I believe all of them, six, 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 six. six. And I thought, well, you're not getting into my room. Are you not? (laughs) It was probably one of the most scary moments of my life, but it showed me, what 2020 showed me is faith over fear. All we had to do was believe, (laughs) I know, (laughs) but anyway, so that was April. So when we got the baby out, literally had just came running through the door. The cavalry came running through the door, all guns blazing, you can imagine. This stage, I had baby out. And so, baby's lying over my hand, a wee bit limp. She was a bit stunned. That's okay. She just had a difficult time. So, in comes your one with the scissors to grab the cord. <laughs> I've put my hand down. She nearly cut my hand off. I'll never forget it. I said, What are you doing? Get that baby over here. I said, The baby's going nowhere. Because this baby, number one, needed to remain attached to its cord. It needed to stay with its mummy, who was laying on the floor, delighted, absolutely ecstatic her baby was here. And I'm rubbing the baby and doing all that, what do you see? And the next thing she started to cry, I was like, thank you, God. So you woman one with the scissors, she was wearing a huff because I didn't do what you told me. She's more senior to me. So anyway, I'm still on the floor with the mommy and the baby and the daddy. We're all happy. A couple of minutes later, she came back in with the scissors again. I said, where are you going? She said, we need to get the card, get the mommy up on it. I said, I'll do it myself. And I leaned down and between me and the daddy, we got the mommy and the baby and the cord all still connected, over onto the bed. She was raging. Raging because we still hadn't cut the cord. Because yes. all they want to do is interfere, and interfere, and interfere. And I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on anybody. I'm just telling you what I have seen in practice over 17 years. So when I came out of that room that morning, much as I was so happy with what I had seen about my mom and dad in that child's life, I knew I was being, I couldn't take any more at that time. So rang the head of my face, we come up here and see me. And I broke down and I said, I'm away. I'm away, I'm gone because my own mental health, is starting to suffer. Yeah. So away I went, I was off work for six months, the longest I've ever been off, even though I lost my mommy, you know, a number of years ago, I was never off work this long. So that's just indicative of how, how things were, things were tough. So then I thought, fake the coroner, I forgot to go back to the coroner. So while I was off sick and going down rabbit holes, and I wouldn't advise it in anybody, and I've learned now rabbit holes, Treat them like a pint of Guinness. Just take the nice bit off the top and never mind the depth of the <laughs> darkness. Don't, don't need to know all that bit. Fear porn, fear porn. Take what you need to know and move on to the next one. So I thought, and naive, and I thought, oh sure I'll just ring the coroner. So I rang the coroner I said, hello, I'm Shauna. Can I ask you a question? And the, the girl on the other end of the phone was lovely. And I told her my question and went, oh, she says, yeah, absolutely, that's a great question i asked the coroner if I'm going to ring you back. <laughs> no, that wasn't going to happen. So she rang me back and she was a bit, do uh, you know, he won't answer over the phone. Will you write a letter? I said, oh yeah, they want my details. Then okay, no problem. I know where this is going. So I sent in my details. I don't care, I had nothing to hide. I was only asked a question. Dear Mr. Coroner, why did you not ask, was this mother vaccinated? Or words to that effect. So they came back on anybody who's went for freedom of information stuff, so you know how it goes. They send you round the houses, go and ask this one, go and ask this one, yeah. go and ask this one. I don't care what everybody else thinks, they want to know why you, the coroner, do not want to know was this mother vaccinated? Yeah. How can you examine the potential causes of death without taking in all the factors? Yeah. I wasn't saying them this vaccine killed this baby, that's not what I said because the burden of proof on me. I said, I asked the question, why do you not ask the question? Why don't you just want to know? And the more they weren't answering me, the crosser right I was getting. Yeah so me and the coroner and a few other departments had a few emails back and forward for that was april right up until the 23rd of may and on the 23rd of may 2020 i got a response from the coroners the whole lot of them (laughs) they basically said shut up you stop asking questions two days later my car was stolen personal effects belonging to my mommy and my granny who both left this life and my partner's phone so things started to get a wee bit messy then I got death threats online. I was called a fascist, didn't know what it meant. I had to look it up, sorry. <laughs> um, and by the way, try to look up fascist, you see what you find out. It doesn't, it just directs you towards fascism. It doesn't get anywhere. That's, that's another chapter. So um, the reason for the death threats was because it was a, I was in Belfast campaigning to save babies' lives because I'm anti-abortion, why wouldn't it be? You've no idea how hard it is to be a midwife who does not support abortion. (laughs) I I can't understand why, as a profession, it's not a no-brainer. That's my personal choice, and that's my personal stance anyway after that so-called Republicans. Now, listen, I grew up in a Catholic council housing state in the north of Ireland in the 70s and 80s. The only reason I'm specific is because we were led to believe it mattered. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what colour you are, whether you have a mask on or not, whether you're vaccinated, it doesn't matter. Under God, we're all one. It doesn't matter. And this was starting to dawn on me all these divide and conquer politics. You know how it goes. We've already been on that one. So, where am I? The coroner. Got my car stolen, got the death threats. By the way, can I just say, in the middle of the death threats online, there was this one wee voice that, stuck, that came in and it said, uh, is this not intimidation? Because they'd taken my details and copied them and put them online and stuff. And it was this wee tiny person called Anne McCluskey. So she's here today. Oh. And I'd never met her in my life, didn't know who she was. <laughs> but she, <laughs> I later met her and found out who the the tiny doctor from day was, that was but, butting in, <laughs> the Republicans trying to kill me. Anyway. So then, I was still back and forth with work, HR, all uh, oh, that's the drama that you go on with work. I was still, I went to the consultant midwife of the PHA, I went to the director of RCM, both of whom are long-term acquaintances of mine, and I remember the consultant midwife said to me, Sean, why do you think you know different, or why do you think you know better? than the people at Imperial College London. I says, right. I says, I didn't say know better. I'm just saying I look at it differently. And it's all about looking at it from a different angle. They were all only looking at it from this one directed angle. And they couldn't see the wood for the trees. It was so frustrating. People that I'd known for years who were intelligent, who were, I thought, questioning minds suddenly hadn't a question in their head. They were just following orders. The amount of times I said that to the head of <laughs> and it went over her head, God love her. I had a telephone conversation with her one day. It was quite important. I says, "You know, this isn't worth the paper it's written on." I says, "But it's not written." I said, "Oh God." <laughs> anyway, that's what you were dealing with. So, August time 2020, I started to meet a few other people that thought like me. I realised I wasn't the only one in the world. You know, when you get through that, you think you're the only person. Started to meet all these other people. Started to get. I thought, "No, I'm going back to work. I'm going to fight this from the inside. I, I can't do it out here." Um, so then they said, oh, well, if you're coming back to work, you have to wear a mask. <laughs> and I said, no, not. And um, went through the whole occupational health thing. Occupational health verified. I'm exempt. Didn't have to wear a mask. So I said, right, I don't have to wear one. Where will I go? Well, you can't come onto the ward. Okay. Where do you want me to go? We'll have a wee office over here. Right. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Ring people. So I was in the office for, what, two days, I think. Then they said, no, I'm not allowed in the office anymore. Because people didn't want me walking up the car without a mask on to get to the office, even though I was going up the back steps. Right? So what do you want me to do now? Work from home. A midwife working from home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it gets crazier. So then I told them, my internet was terrible and they wanted me on a, on a works laptop, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up working from my car for three weeks. I drove in and out of the town to get signaled for their laptop and their, all of that stuff. And all the while I was documenting, telling them, "This, this was, are you really? You're crying out for staff. I'm standing here happy and willing to work and don't let me in because I'm exempt from mask wearing. Anyway, so that went on for a while and then I was ready, ready to come back to work. Sorry, just before I was ready to come back to work, I spoke out at Stormont. So then as soon as I was back in work, they're coming at me. What are, what are you doing speaking out? Well, I said, I didn't say anything wrong. One of the HR people said to me, Do you not know who pays your wages? I said, That doesn't mean I have to sell my soul. But they were literally saying, You can't say what it is you're saying. Even though all I was doing was asking the question, Why does the coroner not ask, Was this mother vaccinated? And that does not make me an anti vaxxer, that makes me a questioner. Anyway, so. Then I had a chat with a girl in the shop one day and apparently her husband didn't like it and they reported me and everybody started reporting me from my Facebook and whatever. And I am very conscious about what I put on Facebook. I put passive language. I am a grammar nerd. I will not put anything on there that will incriminate me. I am very select in what I say and what I don't say. But all these people suddenly didn't like it and the trust were delighted. Oh, all these people complained about Sean. I think there was three. Um, so they suspended me. So they the contacted me, I think it was the 11th of November, to tell me I was suspended. I said, OK, indefinitely? Well, yeah, at the minute. OK, on full pay? Yeah. I nice? said, OK, no problem. <laughs> I was off again on full pay, night duty enhancements. It was great that I had my union wrap head on, because they couldn't pull one over on me. So then they decided to tell me, just before Christmas, we're going ahead to hearing. We think we'll have enough of a case against you to get rid of you. <laughs> it's OK, knock yourselves out. So I had some great people that helped me sort of look through the case against me. There was five ridiculously long um, claims of my bringing the trust into disrepute. I think that annoyed me more than anything because as a health professional of 17 years and a union rep and I, I did not bring any trust into disrepute. I might have said what they didn't like, but that's not what I did. Anyway, through the trial, I'm gonna bring in Tony Player just because he was mentioned earlier as well. Through the trial, I realised a couple of things that I can prove if anybody's interested. On the 6th of April 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, the particular trust that I work in, and I'm assuming they all did, but I can only talk to the trust I worked in, went into their HR policy and changed the how you can be represented if you went, if you were into a hearing. Now as a long-standing union rep, I know the words. The words were workplace colleague, trusted friend or union representative. Those were your three options for having representation if you got in trouble, right? So my letter came out and it said, uh, trusted workplace colleague or union representative. I said, no, 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 that's that's not what it is. So I rang HR, said, you must have got this letter wrong. Well, because I, no, I had no trusted colleagues anymore. They didn't want to know me. So they were leaving me with only a union representative. And because I am the union representative, <laughs> The only one above me was the one in Belfast who hated what I was saying. I knew she was never going to represent myself. So they were like, no, no, Sean, I never said that. I said, yes, it did. No, it did. Yes, it did. I said, I want the documents on Discovery. So on Discovery, on the 6th of April, 2020, one person from the trust went in and changed that document. Why? Wow. Why? Thought they were more dis- concerned about a global pandemic. What are they going in and changing personnel documents for? Right? So I looked into that another bit. So in line with Tony Blair's government of 1999, I think it was the ERA Act, the Labour Relations Agency were updating with that. In, In 1999, Tony Blair's government enacted that through the ERA so that when you're in something like the NHS, you cannot have independent representation. Because by calling in a union or a colleague, neither of them are independent. So you can't actually have an independent body in with you if you get into trouble. I thought that was very interesting. The trust didn't seem to think so. They thought I was making a fuss about nothing. It was the same way a couple of years before when I was at a union table, I was going through somebody's contract, I was seeing this line at the end of the contract that it basically said, and anything else the trust asks you to do? I said, "No, know, you can't say that. And they're like, oh, stop it, Shona. I can't say it? Because the rest of the contract reads lovely. Misdirection. The rest of the contract you think you're getting this great deal. Then you get to the kicker in the last line. How many people read the contract at the last line? I read everything. <laughs> I read everything. So where am I at? April, May. The car's been stolen. The death threats. Storm Stormont. What else were we at? The trial. They took me to trial. Then. So, I, I got around their trusted friend in my only way. They want, I wanted a face-to-face hearing. I wasn't allowed to call it a trial. It's a hearing. I wanted a face-to-face one. I said no, cause COVID. <laughs> I said, right, hey, you're trying to end my career and I have to sit on Zoom. I don't have a computer. I was just throwing everything at that stage. I don't have access to Zoom. That's all right, we'll give you access. I said, okay, where? Do you know what they give me? The local mental hospital. <laughs> I said, really? Think I haven't seen Enigma, Alan Turing? Get away, item road. Anyway, I got an alternative place myself. Their tactics were horrendous. I went into hearing that morning with myself and my trusted colleague sitting in the corner. And there was four of them, The fourth, them on screen. The big guns. Oh, I had assistant directors and everything. I was only about six. I thought, oh, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> because it annoyed them on some level. They were using the biggest guns to get to me. But the night before my trial, and I was going through all the stuff, and they sent me all, all this paperwork, I realised I didn't have to go through all that paperwork. All I have to do is answer the five questions that they asked me. They were misdirecting me. They were trying to get me busy and me ego and all, getting into all these questions so that I'd tell all this stuff. Rubbish. Five questions, Shauna, what's your answer? So I thought, great. So I wrote and answered every question. Just perfectly short and sweet. I was following my well, a paraphrasing. I just told them I was following my code of conduct. And I had not broke my broken my code of conduct in any way, shape, or form. I was a health professional, I was doing no harm all those things that you hear talked about. I hadn't breached my code of conduct in any way. But they never wanted to talk. This the NMC, you heard them earlier. They didn't want to talk about the NMC code of conduct. They wanted to talk about employment law. They didn't care, do you know what I mean? So that's the way they spun it. So I realised even though on paper that what they were throwing against me wasn't watertight at all, I had to go. They were trying to get rid of me. So I threw my hearing and I resigned at the end of it because I thought they're gonna sack me anyway. I resigned, they subsequently found me guilty on all five charges and sacked me retrospectively, reported me to the NMC for being a dangerous practitioner, really. And then the real kicker, Charlotte McCure, lead, uh chief nursing officer North of Ireland, wrote to all the chief executives of all the NHS in England, Scotland, Wales, and said, "Don't give this one a job." Aww. And I thought, "Wow, I'll take that compliment." <laughs> I've really annoyed just now. Why were they so annoyed about this one midwife that wanted to save babies' lives? What is going on? Is right? What is going on? Right? So. For March this year I have no job, that's 10 on. Um, I'm very thankful that I have loads of great people in my life that have been very supportive. I was served an eviction notice for my house in April, so I'm also technically homeless. Thankfully my children are all over 18 and have found their own way. And if ever there were resilient kids in the world, they're mine. I would say that with great pride. Um, But anyway, we're here now. Nobody has still answered the question. Why are they are not asking, was this mother vaccinated? In that particular trust in September, there were 24 pregnancies that ended before their time. Why is nobody asking the question? In Scotland, they're investigating 21. There was 24, not too many miles from here. In September, why is nobody kicking up a fuss? Why did that cure when babies are dying? Anyway, I'll try to stop rambling. I could go on for another 10 years, but I won't. I'll be in the book. <laughs> but anyway, solutions narrative. I wanted to come back to something Jonathan said earlier when he was talking about, uh, wouldn't it be great if we could just get the ultimate vaccine? Just one, that will do it, that will be it. And I said to him, you know it is already available um, and it is available from birth and it's not only species specific but it's unique to every child and that's breast milk. The only vaccine they'll ever need, ever, ever need. It's already there. doesn't need a patent. Nobody can, be, nobody can do anything with it. Stop interfering with birth. Um, on that note, through my, through my years in the NHS, I'm sure you're all familiar with care plans. They're in everybody's notes. Did you pee? Did you poo? Did you this? Did you that? They're very prescriptive. And I always used to say that I would develop my own care plan. My name's Cure. You couldn't make it up. So, uh, careplan.com was what came out of that. And it's my vision for the future of healthcare, about creating a matrix of care. We can't wait until people give us our power back here. A great man once said, step to one side and set your own stuff up. Stop waiting until they stop attacking us. It's not going to happen. Go over here and just fire on. Keep going, do your own thing. One last, I'm just, I know I'm all over the place, in the book it'll be in better order. One last wee thing that I forget, forgot to go back to. The morning of the morgue incident. I went home that morning and got into bed a bit annoyed because I'd had so much cracking on that night. And my usual thing was get the youngsters out to school, watch Netflix or whatever, help me fall asleep. So I was laying in bed that morning and I clicked on Netflix and this thing came up on the screen, Pandemic. I remember March 2020. I thought, hmm, I'll watch this. So I turned it on. It was written, apparently, in 2015 by Bill Gates and Barack Obama, who I've learned a lot more about. Anyway, so at that stage I thought Bill Gates was a philanthropist. I've come a long way. <laughs> so, so I was watching this thinking I might go on. So within about four or five minutes I thought, what you, this, this, this is what's happening now. How did they write this in 2015? You know, pennies were dropping all over my head at this stage. So I was actually a bit, she, I was like, what is going on here? This is, this is really eerily close to the truth. So it lasted about four minutes. I press pause. And I put my two hands together, something I hadn't done in a long time. And my hands actually shook. And I said, I'll never forget it. I can see the house cooking, everyone's wearing And I said, God, if there's something we can do about this, just tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. I, have, I, I was never so scared and fearful. Because everything that was going on, they'd just shown this woman like this in front of her children and they were going out to her. I was like, that's like me, you know. It was so representative of what we were going through and I was terrified. And I said, God, show me, show me something, anything at all. I was I was all right, my wee prayer over a press play. Within two seconds, it went to the woman's foot. I can't believe I'm even doing this all out loud, but this is the right place. And on her foot was a tattoo, yeah. Psalm 1.1. I thought, oh, what's that? Now, I know many people in the room could probably quote that verbatim. I couldn't. And I went and I looked up Psalm 1.1. I want to quote it properly, so I put it on my phone. And Psalm 1.1 said, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And it just really hit me that that was me. It's the first time in my life I ever asked for a saying. And within seconds, yeah. this is what I got. You couldn't make it up. There's many more chapters about stuff like that. And my last wee one is the key ring my my wee cousin handed me one day. Keep going. And just keep going. Whatever it is we're here to do, just keep going. Don't be distracted by the fear porn and the naysayers and everybody that wants to call to me. Just keep going with what you believe in your heart.